The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. I also really don't care. No, I'm saying I could have done what Speed does because I do that every time I golf. Are you really that ignorant? Yeah. You guys are so young and stupid. Get ready. Here we go. Good morning and thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson and joining me as he typically does, the Wayne Gretzky of faith-based sports talk radio (laughs) producer, Zach Barletta. The great one, as we like to refer to him around here. Never called him that once. Yeah, we call him that all the time. <laughs> Nobody knows any different. Well, hello, handsome. Also in studio this week is Darren Metzger, fresh off a championship-winning season of adult rec league baseball. Heck yeah. Which he's vowing to never play again. I'm retiring. Walking that away. sentiment is going to change somewhere around March. <laughs> you got to go out on top, though, right? No, I'm walking away on top. I'm not, I'm not pulling a Brett Favre. The website is btgprogram.com, and our social media handle is at btgprogram. Studio line is 585-431-1202. We welcome your comments anytime on anything you hear on our show. So one more time, that's 585-431-1202. Romans chapter 13, verse 7 says, Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. And this coming Thursday, September 29th, the New York Yankees will pay honor to Red Sox slugger David Ortiz before what will be his final game at Yankee Stadium. And you know what? After I've thought about it, I think it's kind of a good-sized load of crapola. (laughs) You can label this however you want. You hate Poppy. Call me a Yankees homer. Whatever. I can respect how he has killed the Yankees at every opportunity. And it all, you know, it seems he's always come up clutch in big spots against them. I can respect that. Tip of the cat. You you took it to my Yankees. What do you want? A medal? Well, not from me, Jack Wagon. I think the guy is a spoiled jerk and deserves no such thing. Why should he be honored? His cheery personality, the classy things he says and does. Or maybe you think I should just honor his numbers purely from a baseball perspective. I'm going to be upfront and tell you I'm going to be completely irresponsible. Without any facts, without any other basis apart from my own suspicions, I will tell you that I think the guy is a fraud and a cheat. I think his career has been enhanced by PEDs, and I think this season is just further proof. Now, again, let me be clear. It's just a hunch I have. Nothing about what I just said has any substance apart from just speculation. But how else do you explain the season he is having this year? Name me one other person who put up these kind of numbers at 40 years old. You can't because there is not one. It's not normal. In fact, it's abnormal. Quite frankly, it's suspicious. He broke into the majors with the Twins in 97. Nothing special. 
you know, uh, practically unheard of during parts of six seasons. Through 2002, he had a total of 58 career home runs. After that season, after turning 27, by the way, he signs with the Red Sox. And what do you know? All of a sudden, he's one of the best power hitters in the game. It's unprecedented. Red Sox have a good hitting coach. How does one do that? Not that good. I'll (laughs) tell you how they do that. PEDs. If you compare him at that age, when he turned 27, compared to the other 25 guys who hit five home runs, when they turned 27, he has by far the fewest. Only 11% of his home runs came prior to turning 27. The next three guys in order, a fewest percentage of their total home runs prior to age 27, Rafael Palmero, Barry Bonds, and Sammy Sosa. <laughs> what links all those guys together? Baseball players. Come on, you could say it's okay, they know. <laughs> Some of you are going to call in and tell me that Ortiz never failed a drug test. Don't bother. Because I'm only going to tell you that neither did Bonds and neither did A-Rod. Need I remind you that David Ortiz was one of the names on the list of 104 players who failed a PED test in 2003? Benson, what year did you say? Yeah, that's right. The same year he went from being a marginal player with Minnesota to Red Sox folklore as Big Poppy. But Ortiz gets a pass because the test was supposed to be anonymous. You want to tell me now. Tell me how uh, they're doing all kinds of testing. He's never failed since. Okay, Captain Naivety, it's not like cheaters aren't beating the system and always are going to be a step ahead of the testers. Alex Rodriguez's numbers will always be questioned. He'll always be viewed as some form of viral earth scum. No day in Boston to honor him, but Ortiz is just given a wink as lovable old Big Poppy. Is it coincidental that one of his former trainers is also one used by Alex Rodriguez? Angel Presenol has been banned from baseball since 2001 because he was caught traveling with a bag of steroids. Yet Ortiz continued training with him for years after that in the Dominican Republic. Look, I know he's iconic in Boston. The guy knows how to play a crowd. Yelling into a microphone that this is our blankety-blank city after the Boston Marathon bombing, the big hits against the Yankees, the World Series teams, and even joking with the media that it was the Yankees who leaked his PED allegations just endeared him to a baseball market willing to look past anything in exchange for a guy who could bring them a winning tradition. If the Yankees want to pay respect to him because the Red Sox did for Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter, that's up to them. But I think it's insulting to even link those two Yankee grades with a low-class, spoiled brat like Ortiz, who's quite possibly even a cheat. No thanks, man. I smell a rat, and I won't be celebrating David Ortiz anytime soon. And boom goes the dynamite. After an investigation into accusations that the San Diego Padres had withheld medical information regarding players they were trading away, Major League Baseball suspended Padres general manager A.J. Preller for 30 days without pay. The Miami Marlins had acquired Colin Ray at the trade deadline from the Padres. He promptly went out and injured his elbow in his very first start for the Marlins. Of course, the Padres took care of that issue by taking back Ray in a subsequent trade, but obviously then it raised a bunch of red flags. In July, the Red Sox sent the talented prospect to the Padres for all-star pitcher Drew Pomeranz. After that, it turns out that the Padres had not been completely upfront with Boston either when it came to the players' medical information. Now, this past week, the Red Sox made it clear that they were extremely disappointed with Preller's punishment. You think? 
the Red Sox should be disappointed. How in the world does Major League Baseball think that what basically amounts to a slap on the wrist is fair when the Padres lied and cheated on at least these two occasions? I think the trade should have been reevaluated. Perhaps the Red Sox would do a little compensation in light of the league's findings. They gave up a certain level of prospect based on the version of Pomeranz that they thought they were getting. Boston gave up one of the game's top pitching prospects. They got a lesser version and therefore didn't need to give up as much or maybe should have gotten more in return. Basically, the Red Sox got screwed and the league is letting the Padres get away with it. I said a few weeks ago that any team making a trade for a player has a responsibility to do due diligence and investigate those players they're receiving. They can, they should do their own medical evaluation of the player. While that's true, you know, I have learned a little bit more since then in talking with a guy who's been a GM in the major leagues, and he says it's not as simple as all that. Baseball is a, is a business, and like many businesses, there has to be a level of trust and integrity among those in that business. At the trade deadline, teams don't always have the, the time to do full medical evaluations as there's any number of trades uh, being negotiated, being considered. You need to be able to rely on the, te- on the integrity of those you're dealing with. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said, quote, I think the penalty speaks for itself, though he did not get into specifics about the degree of the penalty. That would lend you to believe that perhaps maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. A wrong was done, but maybe it's not what it looks like. The Padres, they have said that Preller wouldn't face any further punishment from the team, nor was he in danger of being fired. They like this guy. He's the team's executive chairman says he was hired in part because of his ability to acquire young talent. And no doubt he's done that. The Padres have a wealth of recently drafted talent. Does it sound a little bit like maybe there were a couple others in the Padres organization who knew about the medical records, but that Preller, maybe he's just a fall guy? You've got to have a fall guy. Proverbs 11.1 says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. There are a number of other verses in scripture which say similarly. God's disgusted by deceit and commerce. A false balance is a dishonest weight scale and can be interpreted as all fraudulent practices in dealing with another person. It is an abomination to the Lord. A.J. Preller is an abomination to the Lord. On the other side of the coin, God is delighted by the dealings of an honest person. Men like Preller may think lightly of fraud, but God says it's an abomination. Listen, it's scripture. But for the integrity, if it was my organization, for the integrity of that organization, I would let Preller go if I was the Padres. I'm not sure how quickly the Red Sox or Marlins are going to be to make a trade with them again. Based on what the other teams saw, I would think they'd be cautious as well. Perhaps for a little while, as long as Preller is the GM, it may be that the Padres could be forced to give up a little more than they ordinarily would have just to entice other teams to come and do business with them. And if they're comfortable with their fraudulent business practices, then it serves them right. Guys, I know you're 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 chopping to tell me something here. It's easy for you to sit there and say you'd let Preller go, but that dude's trying to make the San Diego Padres. I repeat, the San Diego Padres a contender. They're not gonna be contenders for years to come. He's just doing all he can, man. An abomination. Give the guy a break. It's not like he's working with a full deck here. Zach, what have you got to add? Uh, well, I disagreed that 
that the penalty that he got was a slap on the wrist because I, I think it's fine. I, I it's thirty days. What 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 does it for me is that, vacation, man. What does it for me is that none of the other teams caught any injury issues with the players. I know, like you said, okay, it's the trade deadline. Maybe they don't have quote unquote have enough time to do a full eval but it's not like these problems happened after they were acquired they were there to be found and nobody found them so i don't think all of the blame lies on him sure he hid the records and he deserved to be punished but i think some of it falls on the other teams as well so i think 30 days is fine sure i'm okay with that the padres season was over anyhow as darren just alluded to it was over in april yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, I think he's done a pretty good job, actually, is in what he's been able to get for yeah. them. And with the David Ortiz thing, I don't think you're going to get any opposition from either of us. This is a guy who was on the same list that A-Rod was on, yet A-Rod's a villain, and Big Poppy is the lovable jokester. You don't know why, though? He's a people person. Credit David Ortiz for being able to spin that narrative yes. around oh, yeah. in his favor. I don't hate him as much as you guys do. Well, I actually forget, find him entertaining. Don't forget, this is the same town and the same team that gave us Manny being Manny. You know, think about the laundry list of things that that guy did and also took PEDs. And that town, he could do no wrong. Until he stopped hitting, he could do no wrong there. So you could pretty much shoot somebody on the field and kill them. And Boston fans would forgive you for it. Here's the way I look at it. If you are going to get up on a pedestal and crush somebody on a team that you don't root for, for PEDs, you need to do a little bit better job looking into your own players. Because if you think there's no one that's played in the Yankees other than A-Rod that's taken PEDs, Of course not. Nobody said that. Jason Jammy, we got Andy Pettit, who I know and like, you know, I... There's a guy. Name dropper. You got the, you blatant know, you guys, name dropper. I'm calling you on that? this. I am calling you all damn. You know what? There's a picture of you right over here. Me Without a beard, by the way. You look weird. Uh, yeah, you and Andy right over there. Very prominently yeah. displayed in That's our studio. That's to the picture of me and Nelson Cruz. Then the picture of me and Gary Carter. Do you want to talk about the jersey that you have signed by Nelson Cruz? Anything else? We got a lot more coming up for you on today on, on today's program, I should say. We have a BTG draft this week as we choose the best logos in sports. And, of course, we'll do shenanigans. You like that. I'm Benson. They're those guys. And this is the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions. And they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems. And you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work and did I mention they're the best. Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. 
Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for being with us here on Beyond the Game, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We've not done this in quite a few weeks, so let's do a BTG draft. We're going to pick the best logos in sports. We'll go around the room, draft style, picking our favorite logos. And once taken or drafted, that option comes off the board, so it's not necessarily any of our top three logos, but instead maybe the top three available. There is some qualifying, though, that we could do, but we're not going to. What I mean by that is, are we talking like all-time classic logos, perhaps most identifiable logos, maybe most artistic logo, whatever. When you pick your logo, you can give a brief description of why you picked it, why you think it's one of the best logos in sports. And since I don't think we ever really have a system for the order of the draft, I'll just dictate it, you know. How about um, order of best beard, best to worst? Oh, yeah. Of course you want the that. Good beard in the room. Yeah. But, yeah, let's go with that. So you obviously have the best beard, so you'll go first. I have the second best beard. What are you talking about? Yours, what do you got, like weak boy band? You got <laughs> patches. <laughs> it's <laughs> sexy, though. You got patches. You got a little dirt on your face. <laughs> <laughs> your wife actually told me she liked my beard before. I'm just saying. No, you had you had it coming for a while. You had it. It was then coming in nice, and then you shaved it. Yeah. Now, you got to wait another three years. <laughs> so, Zach, you're going to go first, and then I'm going to go, and Darren will – so you're, you're on the clock, man. So the only um, qualifier that I had for making this list was what are the ones that I like the best that I would wear on a hat? That's the, that, okay. That was my only qualifier. So, that works for you. So my first pick is the Fresno Tacos. Wait, wait, you, didn't, you didn't play the little thing. <laughs> so my first pick is the Fresno tacos. It's the the Triple A Fresno Grizzlies. You would pick food, and I love tacos. But they're the Triple A Fresno Grizzlies. But once a year, they are the Fresno tacos. They wear the Fresno tacos jerseys. They have a new Fresno tacos hat every year. They're awesome. Remember last year on the show, Darren went on to try to buy one, and the server was down because so many people yeah. were buying yeah. them. It's just awesome. That that is a great uniform get up the day they do that. The Fresno tacos. All right, tacos are taken with the first pick of my round. I'm going to take the Yankees. Again, go oh, ahead, throw your stones. My, you are just being a homer it, this but it's entire not show. This is a, I'm not talking about the interlocking NY. It, it, it's identifiable for sure, but I'm picking the script Yankees okay, that, that on is baseball with the Uncle Sam top hat. I'm not picking it as a homer pick. It's colorful. The top it's hat patriotic. one was actually on my list. That's a really nice logo. It's clever. You know, it's, it, mm-hmm. I love it. It's, it is a good logo. What's better than that? I'll give you one. Okay, you're on the clock. The Milwaukee Brewers, the logo that they use from 78 to 93, it looks like a glove with a baseball in it when it is, in fact, an M and a B. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look at it. Yeah, their, yeah. their spring training hats have it now, and I actually have one. Wear it as much as I can because I really do think it is a fantastic logo. That wasn't even on my radar. It's a good, it's a good logo, man. Round two. Round two, my second round pick is the San Jose Sharks. That is pretty good. A shark biting a hockey yeah. stick. I love sharks. Not a big fan of the color teal, but somehow they make it work. <laughs> it's just a really angry-looking shark biting a hockey stick in half. Uh, it's unique, and I really like it. Yeah, I I picked 10 here, thinking that, you know, you guys have probably picked some of mine, so I wanted to be prepared. I've got 10 different ones. Four of them are hockey logos, and you just mentioned the sharks, which is another good one. Hockey logos are pretty great. They really are. They've, they've done well. Because my second-round pick is the Montreal Canadiens. The C and the H, it's, been, it's just so classic. They haven't changed that since, like, 1917. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love those classic old-school logos, uh, which is why I can identify a little bit with yours, Darren, your first-round pick of the Brewers, which wasn't even on my radar, but... Wasn't old pick. school when you were growing up? No, just their really. logo? <laughs> it's funny that you could describe their logo as being so classy when their team is not at all. The Canadians? Yeah. Yeah. Well... Funny how what that works. Do? Shocker that the New York fans are hating on. Darren, you're up round two. I'm gonna actually go with football here, and I I, I can't believe I'm picking this because I I loathe this team being a Bills fan. But the Patriots old school logo from '71 to '92. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're that's right. a good logo, man. I mean, you're called the Patriots. You got you got a Patriot hiking, you know, hiking the football. It's 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 a good logo. Yeah. I hate to admit. So it. you guys have done something that I didn't do. You went to old school things that aren't being used mm-hmm. anymore and i guess they do use them on occasion on yeah. special events or on as you mentioned spring training i've seen the patriots actually wear the helmet with that on there i saw a patriots that is shirt. a great logo i actually said to my wife the other day we're walking through the mall and i saw a t-shirt with that i was like sometimes i wish i was a patriots fan because this shirt's fantastic and yeah. i wouldn't hate sundays for 16 sundays a year being a Bills fan, you, you know what that brings Sunday. to mind, and it's not quite as great, although it is great. Also, is the old Tampa, the original Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With, oh with yeah, the Buccaneer, <laughs> yeah, the, head with the orange and white. As mm-hmm. long as you didn't get the uniform that came with it, which yeah, is absolutely the rest hideous. of the uniform wasn't good, but the helmet was outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Look out the sword in his teeth. Yeah, the logo was terrific. Zach, you're first in round three. My first in round three. Is the the Colorado Rockies their alternate logo, the one with the mountain with the baseball flying over it? I, I don't know why, but I've always liked it. Surprised you didn't pick the Iron Picks because they have bacon. That was on my list, and so was the Montgomery Biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Montgomery Biscuits is a good one. My third pick is the Detroit Red Wings. Really? Oh, that's a good one. The, the wheel with the oh, wing. That's very Detroit. You know, again, a classic original logo, been around for ages. Mm-hmm. The red is striking with, with the white logo in front of it. Yeah, I think it's a good job. I honestly, I was thinking about surprising you guys and going with the Quebec Nordiques. That was a good logo. But I got to go with the Mets. I have always loved the Mets yeah. logo, man, with the New York City skyline in the background. 
Uh, not not Solid. the NY, but you, like you, the, right, right, the right. Yankees, the, with the, the bridge. Yes, and then the the the, the blue and the gold, uh, blue and the yeah, uh, yellow, blue gold, yeah, yeah, blue and orange with the white. <laughs> I knew I could get it out there. Your kids um, can help you with this, yeah, with colors. Yeah, welcome to learning colors with Darren. That's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> the the blue with the orange and the white. It's just a good logo. I'm a fan of it. All right, let's keep going. Okay, this let's has been do fun. it. Well, then I gotta go Montgomery Biscuits here. What a value pick in the fourth round. <laughs> it's a biscuit with, but- with a, a tab of butter on it hiding behind the letter M. Like, it's minor league logos. Are, I probably could have done minor league logos for every pick in this draft, but the Montgomery biscuits are just awesome. I didn't pick any minor league teams, but you're right. Some of those logos they're are good. so wild that they're, good. that they're terrific. I just I went with professional sports. I don't even think on my list, I don't. I don't have any college teams, and there's some good ones out there. there. But I just went with all professional teams. So you got the Biscuits as your fourth-round pick. I'm going to go with my third straight hockey team and go with the Buffalo Sabres. It's cool, man. It's a good logo. It's a great logo. I like the flared nostril Buffalo and the black and red that they had out for, Mm -hmm. what, six, seven, eight years, whatever it was. But this old-school blue and gold that they've gone to is just a great it's a unique look. I, I'm going Buffalo Sabres. What we've learned from Benson is any logo that's got swords in it is going to be a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to go college here and pick the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah. It, it's a good logo. Yeah, right? Not cool. the ND, but the actual right. the Irishman that looks like he's going to fight. Up, he's ready to, take <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. Similarly, I like the Boston Celtics one, too. It's got a little leprechaun looking dude in it. Yeah. Okay, we learned a little something about you today, too. A little weird, but yeah, I like it. <laughs> okay. Fifth and final round. Oh man, there's so many on my list that I, they're not going to get picked. Well, at the end, at the end, you can throw out a few that you didn't get an opportunity to pick. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. This the, the new one, the black, the black and red Falcon. It just it looks modern. It looks really cool. I like the color scheme. I even like the jerseys, to be honest. But I really like that Falcon. It's interesting Falcons. you picked the Falcons because my number five pick is the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, so I mean, how it's menacing with the hawk coming in and what you're laughing at me. I'm not. I'm not really intimidated. I'm just saying it's menacing. Benson's afraid of birds. (laughs) (laughs) The Atlanta Hawks are my number five pick. You know what? I'm actually gonna. And I wasn't a huge fan of this logo when it was being used, but now that the team is gone and it needs to come back. The Seattle Supersonics. Oh yeah, I mean the basketball. You got you got the, the the Seattle skyline in the background there. The they still sell a ton of those jerseys. Oh yeah, the, the green the, and yellow the, the t-shirts man. with the logo on yes. there. Yes, there's a lot of stores out in Seattle. They still need to bring that gear. back. They need to bring that. Whoa. And you know, and another logo I really liked when I was out in California and I got to see it a lot was the the old school San Diego Padres. Uh, logo oh, from with like, the fryer? like yeah, like nineteen seventy to mid eighties. Yes, yeah. yes, it's fantastic. That's a good one. Yeah. So what we've learned about Darren is he's a logo hipster. He likes all <laughs> the hipster. Yeah, I, I do like the older yeah. stuff. Some others on my list. I did have the Boston Red Sox. Their two socks logo, not not the B, but the two socks with kind of like the patch. Yeah, heel. that's good. Yeah, you know, it's so simple that it's terrific. I like the Buffalo Bills. The old one or the new one? The new one. See, I like the you old know, one. More simple. Both. Again, I like the older one. I don't yeah. know why. I just do. Because you're old school. <laughs> I The Dallas Cowboys, another real classically simple design. Mm-hmm. I just think it looks tremendous on their shiny helmet. Something about their helmet just shines, I think, more than any others when they get the lights on them. 
And the New York Islanders, you know, again, maybe a homer pick, but it's kind of a cool play on the, N-way, on the NY with the hockey stick. And it was only around for a year. But, you know, do you remember, the, you probably do, Zach, the Gorton's Fisherman logo that the Islanders yes, used? It was, I thought it was so bad. I thought it was awesome. The color scheme was bad. I thought they picked horrible colors, but I love the logo. I must have been like one of three people that loved it because they got rid of it no it time at all. I think maybe it was only one year. You know what logo that needs to come back, and this is, is a local one too. The Red Wings' new logos I've never been a fan of. It looks Rochester like a, Red yeah, Wings? Yeah, the Rochester Red Wings. It looks like a bird on steroids. Not a big fan of it. And the R, that was all right. But you remember the one where it, was, it actually said Red Wings in it, and it, it almost reminded me. Of like a Detroit Red Wings logo, it kind of had like a little tail on it with it written around the Red Wings. You know oh, what I'm yeah, talking about? Yes, yes. That one. I am a huge, huge fan of that logo. They should bring it back and get rid of the cartoon ones that we have. What now. are some other? I, I, the Pittsburgh Penguins come to mind for they me. They were on my list. As yeah. much as I hate them, a penguin on ice skates with a hockey stick is great. St. Louis the Golden Blues. State Warriors. The Blues, yeah. The, the Blues, Blues, yeah. The Blues is yeah. a good one. Even there. the St. Louis Cardinals with the bat and the birds. Mm-hmm. It's one of those on timeless it. ones. Yeah. yeah. Right. The Orioles? How's no one mentioned the Orioles? You know, that's yeah. you mentioned the that. old one though, not the not the well, not the nineties one. The one they're using now and that, the one they used before. Right. The yeah. cartoonish type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a great love. That one, Zach, as you mentioned at the top of this segment, great on a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cincinnati Reds, also great on a hat. Not the C, but the one that they use on the batting practice. With Mr. Red Legs. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, the With 90, the handlebar the mustache. 1890s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought one of those hats. My wife was kind of mad at me, but it was too good of a hat to pass up. I had a couple more football teams. I had the Tampa Bay Bucks, their logo now, and I had the Seahawks, too. Another the Seahawks I, are good. Another one with the angry-looking yeah. bird of prey on it, which was a theme today. I had the Toronto Raptors. They have an alternate one. It's a basketball with three claw marks yeah. through it. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. And I like the Charlotte, um, the Charlotte Hornets too. The new one or the old one? Because the old one is pretty sweet. The one that's just an angry looking hornet that's yeah. like looking right oh, at that's you. That's a little yeah. bit new. I like that one. Well, this was fun. There you have it. I'd love to hear from you. You can tweet us here at the show at BTG Program. We would love to know what you think are the best logos in sports. You're listening to the Beyond the Game Program. We're going to be right back after. This report from Roberts Wesleyan College. Here's the Red Hawks report for this week, September 24th, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. After defeating St. Thomas Aquinas College last Friday at home 3-1 behind two goals from Bella Matrevsky, the women's soccer team was unable to keep the momentum going, suffering a 2-0 loss to Mercy College on Sunday. Goalkeeper Kelsey Brinkell's four saves just weren't enough to keep the Red Hawks women from falling to 2-3-1 overall and 1-1 in conference. The men, meanwhile, fell twice last weekend. The first, a 3-2 setback last Friday against Aquinas College before bowing to an unbeaten Mercy team on Sunday, 2-0. The men dropped the 1-6 and 0-2 and in conference. Malcolm Shaw got off five shots in Friday's game before getting seven more during Sunday's match. In tennis, the women's team lost to the University of District of Columbia. However, a cool story coming out of that match. The University of D.C. needed time for what turned out to be an extensive bathroom break, and technically, Roberts coach Becky Bonner may have been able to request a forfeit. However, in the ECC, it's kind of a gray area as there isn't an official to grant the request. 
But even if there had been, Coach Bonner wanted her team to win or lose on the court. A great gesture of sportsmanship in granting all the time needed to their opponent without seeking that forfeit, and a terrific example of the grace God extends to every sinner. The ladies then went out and defeated Damon College on Wednesday 6-3, evening their record at 4-4. The Red Hawks men's tennis team, they beat Lemoyne on Tuesday 7-2, and they remain unbeaten at 5-0. Looking at the week ahead and your opportunities to support the Red Hawks at home, coming up later today, Saturday, September 24th, you can get behind Red Hawks soccer and come out to Roberts Wesleyan College Stadium. The women take on Salem International University at noon, while the men tangle with Bentley University at 3.30. Next Friday, the 30th, the Red Hawks women's tennis team will be home to play St. Thomas Aquinas College at 4 p.m., and the women's volleyball team will take on New York Institute of Technology at 7. And I guess I should mention that the ladies' volleyball squad also plays next Saturday, the 1st of October, at 10 a.m. at home. Normally, we'd mention it on next week's broadcast, but the matches at 10 a.m. start time right as we close our Rochester area broadcast next week. You can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. I want to thank you for listening. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram if you want to follow us more closely. I would not want to be a school teacher for a living. No. You know, the changing social climate where such concepts as personal accountability seem to be disappearing from our society. Also, you like to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't like kids. Everything is so often the teacher's fault, mom and dad not wanting to consider that their baby angel, (laughs) little Johnny, might actually have some responsibility. If they admit he's not perfect, they might have to put the remote down and actually do some parenting. It seems that over time that the states and the school administrations continue to introduce programs, concepts that tie up the teacher's hands even more more accountability on the teachers and on the students for their own grades, you know? Do you feel like that shift has been kind of recent? Because my parents would have allowed the teacher to probably spank me, and they always took the teacher's side. Like, yeah, and I, just assumed I got disciplined that was wrong. in school. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. That was always, if my mother got called, I was definitely in trouble. Yes. And and there is something to that. You know, there is some responsibility on the teacher. Like any other field, there will be teachers who perform well. There's teachers that perform poorly. And there, there should be a system in place to find those weaker teachers and help them improve. But you can't give all the credit or all the blame to a teacher mm-hmm. for the student's results. Sometimes you're just dealt a certain hand. Maybe the teacher got a room full of geniuses one year. Maybe she's got he or her Got a room full of morons one year. You know, it happens. Yeah, it happened every year for whatever <laughs> class you were in. <laughs> Actually, my class was pretty horrible. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't want to be a school teacher. I'm not cut out for it. It's not how God has gifted me. 
And I wouldn't want to be an NFL official either. I think that the number of bad calls, I think they're actually minimal when compared to the overall caseload. But most of the most of the calls are good, and, and I think it's amazing how often replay shows that they had it right on the field. Think about how they they have to be in just the right position. They have to avoid possibly interfering with the play. Think about how fast everything happens in that league, and yet more, more often than not, they get it right. It's remarkable, really. Oftentimes, it seems that when there is a missed call, it's a critical call. Then you have the administration making things even more difficult. You have the league clouding things up by changing the definition of a rule. Nobody really knows what constitutes a catch anymore, do they? No. (laughs) I'm convinced the officials don't even actually know (laughs) that. Right. Nobody knows what is a catch. How about this one? You need enough evidence to overturn a call on replay. So on a goal line play, when a runner is carrying a ball into the end zone and you can't see the ball anymore because of the mass of people converging on the play or some big lineman's butt is in the way of the camera, even though everyone in the world knows that the ball crossed the line because, you know, he's not carrying it at his knees. So obviously common sense will tell you the ball crossed the line, but they can't overturn it because they don't have evidence of that. Somebody, I think, that affected last week in the games, and I I can't remember who it was. Or this, the powers that be decide to choose a few things to be a point of emphasis. So now in an effort to do a good job, they want to please their employer. Officials go overboard in making sure they get that call. You can always tell what those things were. You notice all those calls of one particular thing or another, taunting penalties. You know, the celebration penalty. That has to be one of them. Ten taunting penalties have been called through the first two weeks of this season. Twice as many as last year at this time during the first two weeks. We all know it's Look, I know it's early. But the message is pretty clear here, isn't it? This past week, the Cleveland Browns got... <laughs> they got jacked up. Oh, that was poor, terrible. Oh, it was. The by Cleveland the poor Browns, judgment so of officials. They were in a position to win a game. Well, they were in a position to a fake beat story. the Ravens. This is true. We need no. a breaking news sound clip for this. <laughs> With 27 seconds left to play, Browns quarterback Josh McCown hits wide receiver Terrell Pryor at the Ravens' 10-yard line. He gets tackled out of bounds by, by Ladarius Webb. As both players get to their feet, Pryor flips the ball towards the official. Nothing, happens all the time. Yeah, just kind of flipping. It probably rolled off his hands a little bit. There was nothing intent about it. Webb is there as well, and to me, it looks like as he sort of stood up, the ball just, he stood up into the ball as it's being tossed to the official, and the ball hits Webb on the shoulder. A second official coming in, he saw it as taunting and throws a flag. Now, there was also a defensive holding penalty on Webb, which would have, of course, been declined, and the Browns would have been set up to win a game. But now, instead, it's offsetting penalties, which negates the entire play, and the Browns are back at first and 10 at the 30, now with only 20 seconds left to play. And because they're the Browns, of course, on the very next play, they turn the ball over. <laughs> and I'm not saying that the Browns would have won, but they were in a position to pull out a win against a division rival. We all know that the Browns don't need anything more working against them. Another of the other taunting penalties that was called was, what was it, first Monday night, I think it was? Antonio Brown went all Elvis in the end zone doing pelvic thrusts <laughs> after a touchdown against the Redskins. He received a pretty hefty fine for his twerking. 
uh, hefty by my standards. He dismissed it as nothing to a boss. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Made me a bigger fan of Antonio Brown. The NFL deemed it sexually suggestive. Look, fella, save it for Dancing with the Stars. You know, this the NFL is a family show. Can't you tell by the beer and the Viagra ads? You know, <laughs> and the. The cheerleaders wearing yeah, well, basically. Well, I no guess clothing. maybe Viagra is family promotion. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem: you can't take a broad stroke and penalize if all things were equal. Somebody dirty dancing in the end zone is not the same as another guy unintentionally, or so it would seem, lightly dropping a ball on an opponent's shoulder. The letter of the law doesn't work. Spirit of the law was good enough to let George Brett's game-winning home run stand up against the Yankees many years ago, even though the amount of pine tar on his bat was clearly against the letter of the law as written in the rules. Obviously, I've not gotten over this. I'm all for the taunting penalty, but it needs to be applied where it makes sense. In a league where big, strong men knock the snot out of each other for 60 minutes, you can't let the outcome of a game come down to a poor interpretation at a critical moment of a, where a team gets severely handicapped mm-hmm. by the decision like the Browns did. Shouldn't the officials, can't you get together, can't figure this thing out? It's not called the no fun league for nothing. I'm all for a celebration penalty in certain situations. Not, you know, not when a couple guys get together high-fiving in the end zone. How is that, how is that detrimental? I heard an, I heard a talk show host this week say he thinks the rule should just be completely abolished because he likes props guys use. You remember Randy Moss, Chad Johnson used to employ some of these things. Those were great. The Sharpie and the sock. Yeah. The cell know, phone. Props and choreographed di- group dances are probably too much in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. But a group of teammates meeting up and high-fiving or hugging, is is that really a problem? I mean, it's great in hockey. They get together after every goal, and the excitement is sort of fun to watch. And I guess what makes it so hard to understand is that Pryor and the Browns got rung up for a really weak taunting penalty that may have cost them the game, but back in the opener, you might remember the Broncos' defense just teed off on Panthers quarterback Cam Newton, Mm -hmm. and that wasn't called. Which is going to be more harmful to the player? I think the Brandon Marshall hit was particularly blatant and vicious, and Gilmore pulled He him was down. even later fined, but in the game, no penalty. The funny thing, or maybe not so funny thing, is that during the same game, a Panthers player, I forget who it was, he was penalized for taunting for jumping up and down near a Broncos defender after the Panthers scored. He gets a taunting penalty, but the Broncos teeing off on Newton got nothing. Oh, look, I, I don't know, but my point here is really, which is more, which is more dangerous? It's why when people say the NFL is fixed, you can sort of understand where they're coming from. At a minimum, it's hard to take the league seriously when they say they're concerned about player safety. I'm sure they are, but really, at what cost? At what point is it no longer in their best interest to be concerned about player safety? It's a joke that both the taunting and the helmet-to-helmet hits are both 15-yard penalties. Mm -hmm. They're not equal. Those offenses are not equitable. It's fine if the league wants to cut down on excessive celebrations, but it shouldn't be the same punishment as going to a player's head. That's crazy. I'm not sure everyone, anyone ever got brain damage doing an opponent's celebration. <laughs> when it comes to our relationship with God, though, all sins are of equal weight. God is the standard of holiness. His glory and perfection are even beyond what we're able to comprehend. I mean, maybe the best I can do for an analogy is a sunny morning after 
you know, a heavy, fresh snowfall. The whiteness is so pure. The sunlight, it's so bright. It's striking to the eyes. But then the snowplow comes through and throws sand, dirt, and that white is never going to be the same. Sure, you can cover it up, but it's still there, and as it melts away, it's only going to be revealed again. Mm -hmm. This is what our sin is like in our lives. Whether it be a small lie, maybe an insignificant stolen item, or you've gossiped about a coworker, or perhaps a greater offense. Maybe you've cheated on a spouse, or you're hiding some criminal or illegal thing that you've done or are doing. All are offenses to God, and if he allowed them in his presence, it would take away from his holiness. It would take away from his righteousness, like adding the dirt and road spray to a freshly fallen snow. That's why we need Jesus. We can never be with God. In fact, without Jesus, we have to pay the price of those sins ourselves, which is an eternity in hell separated from God. Without Jesus, we can never be with God. Do you know for sure where you will be after you die? Have you ever really thought about it? How are you going to pay for your sins? Will you try to do it, or will you allow Jesus to do it? He gave his life on the cross to pay for those sins of yours and mine, but the good news is that he rose again from the grave, defeating death. He ascended into heaven and stands there waiting to accept you into the family of God. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord— and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You need to admit to God that you are a sinner. You need to repent of those sins. And you need to ask him to forgive you and to save you. He has a free gift of eternal life, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. It is only by the grace of God, and he freely offers it through the shed blood of his son at the cross. I wonder if God's talking to you today. Do you admit that you're a sinner? Confess it to God. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. If you want to find out more about that, about becoming a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com, or send me an email. Send me an email here to the program. I'd be glad to help you in whatever way I can. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. All right, let me talk to you about something important. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addictions, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 22 have been given tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. and is absolutely free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, 
ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. I'm Rick Benson. They're, well, they're those guys. It's time to play shenanigans. Zach, what do you have for us? Number one, the Buffalo Bills are a better team without recently fired offensive coordinator Greg Roman. I agree. I know defenses and in-game strategies have much to do with how you game plan, but the fact that a weapon like Sammy Watkins isn't targeted more than he is, to, to me it's a crime, and Greg Roman was one of the criminals, so I, I agree. I actually also agree. Uh, these first two games weren't the only reason Roman was fired. He also had problems getting the ball into the playmaker's hands last year, and they gave him a shot again this year. Uh, yes, Sammy Watkins is hurt, but if he's on the field, you got to get him the ball. You also have LaShawn McCoy. And then you got Tyrod Taylor, who I really feel like might be the most athletic quarterback in the NFL. You need to get those guys going, and Roman wasn't doing it. So, yes, they're better off without him. I agree as well with the caveat that I'm glad he was fired, but I'm not glad that he was scapegoated for the Thursday night loss. His play calling was awful against Baltimore and poor against the Jets, but they lost that Jets game because Rex Ryan's defense gave up 37 points. The offense did enough to win that game. They let the Jets march up and down the field and wear the defense out. That was what killed them. 
My biggest issue with Roman is the Bills give up a ton to get Sammy Watkins, like you guys have mentioned. They've had him for over two years, and they still haven't figured out how to get the ball to him consistently. And that's the biggest issue, I think, uh, is if the new offensive coordinator can get him 8 to 12 targets a game, then firing Roman was the right move. Yeah, you know, and again, as I said, defenses come into that. You they're, They may be taking Watkins out of the game, and many times there are, but you have to be better than that as the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, come up with ways to overcome that. Number two, the Seattle Seahawks are in trouble. Darren, why don't you start it out? Shenanigans. Yes, their offense has struggled, but I, I truly believe that Russell Wilson and company will get it together. But have you noticed how good their defense is? What have they allowed? Negative 18 points a game right now? <laughs> They're like, good. Their defense is phenomenal in a league that wants offense and caters the rules to the offense to score points, and they are shutting teams down to know they're absolutely not in trouble because, as the old saying goes, defense wins championships. I agree that they're in some trouble. I think they'll turn things around like they did after their poor start last year, but I look at the games that they've played where they almost lost to the Dolphins and they did lose a game to the Rams when I think the Seahawks scored three points in that game. I just think they may, during this early part of the season, get into a hole that's too deep to dig out of. Like you said, it's early. They're 0-2. They were 0-2 last year. But I agree they're in trouble. They if you can't score against the L.A. Rams, are they 1-1? Yeah, they're 1-1. Oh, they did. You're, you're right. Yeah. But they went 0-2 last year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and still, still made, made the playoffs. Yep. But even so, I, listen, if you can't score against the L.A. Rams, then you're in trouble. <laughs> it's only two games. But if you've given up more points than you've scored, you're in trouble. When you're averaging only a bit more than seven points per game, you're in trouble. And when your offensive line is as porous as theirs is, you're in trouble. Wilson's been, he's been hit 18 times already this season. He's been sacked five times. They're averaging 3.2 yards per carry on the ground. That offensive line is not, they're in trouble. Number three, the Minnesota Vikings are in trouble without Adrian Peterson. Why don't you start this one? I agree, absolutely, but it's not just Peterson. They've got injuries to key players on offensive and defensive lines and in the secondary. And when you add in a possible season-ending injury to the guy who is the center of your offense and you've got a quarterback who's only in his second week with the team, you're in trouble. <laughs> I agree they're in trouble. If you're relying on the arm of Sam Bradford, you're in trouble. And I like Bradford, but he's not going to lead the team. He's a nice addition. They'll probably gut it out, but the next three games will tell you a lot. As they have the they've got Carolina, they've got the Giants, and the Texans. At the end of that stretch, they go into their bye week. They're probably going to be sitting with the same two wins they have now. Shenanigans. I'm just kidding. I can't even, <laughs> can't even say that seriously. <laughs> they're in serious trouble for all the reasons you guys just mentioned. Season's over. I don't care that they're 2-0 right now. <laughs> Number four, the New England Patriots will be okay with Jacoby Brissett starting at quarterback. Truth. They'd be okay with me starting at quarterback. <laughs> they're Okay, yes, you have Tom Brady, a Hall of Fame quarterback. What are they, 13-5 and without Tom Brady? And, oh, by the way, they're 2-0 this, week, uh, this year without Brady or Gronk. They're awesome. They're unbeatable. I hate it because I'm a Bills fan. I could go play quarterback for them, and they'd still win this week. I think they might have been okay with him if they weren't facing Houston this week. 
he's a rookie third string quarterback he may not survive this game against houston's defense and if he doesn't you're looking at julian edelman as their quarterback the following i'd love to see it but i i think the texans have the field day i think they're in trouble at least this week i agree they're they're okay not great but they're okay you know what the patriots have the advantage of they're better than everybody at everything they yes. do. They're just, I hate Belichick so much. is the master game planner. <laughs> he, heck, even if he just stays alive and, and hands off a lot and they lose both games, they're still okay. They're still two and two. <laughs> Title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town and Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. I want to praise Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson this week. A lot of people do. I know that. Although I want to praise him for his leadership skills and for encouraging his teammates more than his tremendous football skills. After Clemson barely escaped with a 30-24 win against Troy a couple weeks ago, a game where the offense struggled in part because his receivers dropped eight of his passes, and in a game in which Ray-Ray McLeod simply dropped the football just before crossing the goal line, forfeiting what would have been a 75-yard punt return for a touchdown. It was a win, but it was ugly. The following morning, Watson, who's a junior, by the way, texted McLeod to tell him that, look, man, it starts with me. Watson took the burden of responsibility for Clemson's rusty play to start the season. He covered a few more areas where he was pledging to improve and get the team clicking together. Then he concluded by reminding his guy to have fun out there. A day later, Watson goes in front of the press, did pretty much the exact same thing, apologizing that he hadn't embraced the media, even apologized to his teammates for what he considered to be his bad body language after frustrating plays. Deshaun Watson took the burden on himself and offered words of encouragement to everyone around him. And the result was last week's 59-to-zip throttling of South Carolina State, where the team looked energized, they looked free, bodies flying around all over the place. That's the kind of leadership we need in many of our Christian leaders today. And it's the kind of leadership the Bills need and why they should just tank the season and get the number one draft pick and select (laughs) Watson in next year's NFL draft. Deshaun Watson's people skills. It's what I like this week. What I like this week was Baltimore Orioles rookie Trey Mancini hitting a monster home run for his first big league hit in his second at bat. And he got a curtain call from the home fans, but his mom actually stole the show. The camera kept cutting back to her over and over again because she absolutely lost it in the stands. She's yelling, I can't believe it. And she's crying and she's hugging random people around her in the stands and waving (laughs) her arms and alternating that with crying and covering her face. And it was just so cool to see a mom get to be there for her son's first homer. Uh, What I like this week is a photo. It's a viral photo right now of of a lady named Dr. Megan Meir, Meyer, whatever. She's in Oklahoma City. It's a picture of her tending to a high school football player. Uh, she is 35 weeks pregnant, and she has her three-year-old strapped to her back. And this is what she said. This is what happens when you're 35 weeks pregnant. Husband leaves town for a uh, weekend. Child care for three-year-old falls through, and you have a game to cover. In a world where people look for every excuse not to go to work, here's this woman busting her butt, being a doctor on the sidelines of a football game, which I'm going to assume requires a lot of work and she's doing it with one in her belly and one on her back it's it's fantastic i really like seeing that 
Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Game program. I know, apologize, we've come up against the clock. There were some things we wanted to get to this week, and we just didn't get them. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson and the guys sent you. For those guys, I'm Rick Benson. See you next week. Lord willing, we'll be back together again right here at the same time. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.